Good evening. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Kunma, and uh, joining me to unpack your stock-related questions this evening are Roy Mutoni from uh, Sunlam Investments and Tamsang Naneta from Shallow Capital. Be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. What a way to start the show with me almost getting my surname wrong. There's <laughs> uh, <laughs> time for everything. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, uh, as you can see uh, to our viewers, uh, Tammy is joining us in studio and uh, Roy is on Zoom. Let's actually start off with the uh, markets. Um, they're on a high, and I'm wondering how long that will last. Um, because obviously we know that they're on a high because of the uh, the, uh, the uh, slow acceleration in inflation. But then you still have that tight labor market in the U.S. We did have lower than expected um, weekly jobless claims uh, today, seeming that markets are brushing that off. Mm. What do you have to say about that, Tammy? Uh, I think as long as recession fears are still being dodged, uh, I think there will always be appetite for more equities and global equities will always find value. Um, right now, with a wait-and-see wait approach, uh, there's risk-off because the, the numbers are now reflecting that the interest rate hikes have impact on the macroeconomy. Mm -hmm. And that hill will lead to, obviously, to people trying to buy more and put more capital into uh, liquid assets, uh, stocks, bonds, and the likes. Uh, but also, uh, depending on what part of the world you're on, there will be some demand for commodities and safe havens like gold and silver. So I think at this point, you're hoping that you don't get any bad data. Uh, and, and not getting bad data is great data. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's where we are now. All right. Um, Roy, um, and quite impressive uh, how the rand has been doing as well. Uh, we did see it uh, now going below 18 rand against the U.S. dollar. Uh, can this mean uh, significant relief? For us South Africans from the sub? So the thing is, I think it's, it's considered a bit of a cliche when, when we keep referring to the dollar, but it's all about the dollar. I mean, the dollar index is now below 100 for the first time in, I'd say, two years, if I'm not mistaken. Now, what that has done is it has pushed the rand down as well. So the rand has strengthened quite significantly. So there's quite a good underpin. Um, and if, if the rand is strong, then that feeds through on inflation and oil prices are flattish. I mean, so long as they maintain the, that, that range, then that means inflation holds up, um, comes within the target band, which means the likelihood of uh, aggressive inflation, um, aggressive interest rate hikes diminishes. So yes, um, there's, there's definitely a lot of promise here. I think for us, what, what we see is that um, you're probably close to the end of that cycle. Hmm. Um, Chinese data keeps on disappointing. Um, mm. We did get exports and imports surprising to the downside um, for June. Uh, and I'm wondering mm -hmm. how much more pain, Tammy, that uh, economy can take. And it, it seems it's from both sides, local and also external. Mm, I, th I think China's suffered a lot since COVID. Uh, they've struggled to rebound since then. Uh, they'll continue to address the matter as they have a central government that will continue to take the drastic actions needed to keep the economy, the country, and so on afloat. But the real estate market took a big hit as well. So I think going forward, they're going to have to rebalance everything. They're going to have to look at how they rebalance their import-export dynamics, their domestic consumer dynamics, their population, how they will assist people to move up from poverty, climb up the, 
the social status and class status lines. So I think at this point, they are in transition. They're transitioning away from a, a form of governance that assisted them to move out of the developmental state. Mm. Now they're moving towards a global superpower, and that will take a different set of skills and tools to navigate. And I think that's what's going to continue to drive where they're going. Yeah. So I think the days of super growth from China will slowly taper off. We're going to start seeing more modernization and moving towards a G7 economy that's more developed uh, rather than being part of the emerging world. Yeah, and just a last question on the macroeconomic front before we get to the viewer questions. Uh, talking about balance, seeming that the UK is struggling to find balance, um, really looking like the Bank of England's efforts to tame down inflation isn't working. And then you also had a con contraction uh, in economic uh, growth uh, in May, Roy. Uh, what will it take for this economy to find its balance? The thing is, this, it, it actually demonstrates to you the problem of letting inflation just grow or, or or not managing inflation expectations yeah they've, they've scored a few on goals whether it was brexit or the and the whole problem around trade um and it's going to be very difficult for them to settle the economy they have to address inflation at a time when growth is actually quite poor there so there's going to be a lot of unhappy people and we have an imminent election within the next two years so it's very very difficult um for them to take the pain hoping that it's resolved before the election for this government to to continue. So it's it's very it's it's a very difficult call. I mean, you have to trade. If if you just close the doors on your biggest trading partner or the biggest market close to you, where are your alternatives? Yeah. Um, they haven't identified them, and it's quite clear a lot of the things that they promised at the time just are not coming through. So you know, it's a very very difficult time for them. Yeah. All right. So, well, let's get to the viewer questions as, of course, we've been talking about the economies uh, in the U.S. and also in Europe. A very interesting question here. Um, which long-term stocks would you recommend for beginners in the stock market for the U.S.A. and Europe? I guess maybe you can also look at sectors. Tami? Cash. Uh, <laughs> no, but more realistically, I think um, you've got to go into a basket of goods. So you yeah. look for an exchange-traded fund that typically is in an industry you understand or have some knowledge about. Um, offshore investments are always complex in the sense that you have to manage currency risk. And secondly, you're very far from market knowledge about what's happening. Uh, there's a lot of data, but it doesn't necessarily mean you understand what's really happening. And a typical example was ARK Invest, uh, where they had great ETFs and they were attracting lots of funds, but because everybody was not really monitoring the underlying assets that mm. took a, a beating. So I think uh, ideally you want to take an ETF that's got great liquidity, um, typically a billion dollars in valuation or more, uh, that has a great number of stocks, 50 plus, uh, that you understand this particular industry and then you can take it from there. Mm. Uh, on your side, uh, Roy, uh, in the USA and also in Europe, are there specific uh, companies that uh, you would recommend to a beginner or maybe even sectors? No, Atitam is absolutely correct. It's such a big world. There's tons of stocks out there with different variations, different accounting standards and things. When you're starting off, what you want to do is get a feel for the market. An ETF or a unit trust or a mutual fund is your best bet. It's nicely diversified, keeps your costs low, um, and, and you have stocks that are going up within there or coming down. And then when you buy it, 
look at the constituents and start teaching yourself. Mm. Um, see whether you like one, see whether you don't like another, see what happens when good profit comes through and losses comes come through, and educate yourself in that way. And maybe someday, if you have enough time and effort, you, you you can go in and buy individual stocks, but it takes a long time. Just to understand, like Tam, exactly like Tammy was saying, yeah. the crossover between currencies, um, the security of um, of the shares that you hold offshore, the tax implications. There's so many things that you need to consider. Rather just get a broad market index, um, index fund or unit trust that's held by that's that's been created by a well reputable um, a- asset manager or provider and sit back and watch and teach yourself, educate yourself. But also, would it not be better, Tammy, to, uh, because obviously uh, the viewer wants uh, offshore exposure, would it not be better also to look within the JSE um, for some of these Rand hedge stocks? Uh, that's a difficult one because a lot of these uh, JSE held stocks which have offshore holdings tend to suffer quite a bit. Mm. Uh, a lot of it is the volatility of the assets they hold offshore. Uh, some of these assets have very significant write downs. So it, it's, a, it's a complex way to look at it. I think if you want to go offshore, go offshore. Uh, if you want to be local, be local. Uh, trying to balance that gets very hard and you need a very experienced um, and a very big business that is doing something that you really understand. Mining, yeah. for example, is a, is a great model for that. But uh, elsewhere, as you can tell with our retailers, they've taken a beating trying to do exactly that. Yeah. Um, on your uh, side, Roy, um, Tammy says that if you're going offshore, go offshore. If you're going local, go local. Um, what do you make of a beginner starting off with the JSC and some of these Rand Hedge stocks? Maybe Richmond? You see, the thing about them, what, what, what will probably happen is you'll go to the one where people have been shouting about, and usually it's rallied, or it yeah. has a problem, or, or it's expensive, something mm. like that. So but if, if you want to be local, if you, if, you, if you really don't want to deal on the NYSE or the, or the FTSE or whatever, just go to Satrix, go to somebody mm. like that, buy, buy, buy a global market ETF domestically, hold it here, they quote it for you in RANS, it's a familiar currency. And then teach yourself. You're in the markets. Now try and learn the dynamics of the markets as you invest. Yeah. Uh, Tammy, when I mentioned Richmond, you went, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Care to expand on that expression? <laughs> I think they're, they're, they're doing a lot of M&A work. I think they're looking to exit to LVMH. Um, and I think they're working their way towards that. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if it's a stock you want to hold. I think... Rupert yeah. & Co. are trying to get out and trade up for LVMH stock or cash. Uh, and I think that's the way the trade is going to happen. The valuation will depend, but I think there's a lot of M&A talk happening there. Uh. So buying that share might cause you some problems. Uh, all right, all right. So, well, uh, let's get to more questions. Uh, there's a viewer uh, that uh, has messaged us on gold. I'm bullish on gold. What would the panel recommend? So there are quite a few questions here, but I'll tackle them one by one. Mm. Bullish on gold, what would you recommend? Well, it depends why you're buying it. So if you're buying it because you like the metal on your wrist, neck and finger, um, then I think it's a bad investment. But if you're buying it as part of a broader portfolio so you can add some diversification and risk management, then I would say enter, enter that trade either via buying an actual miner that's good at gold mining amongst other things, for example, like Sivania, which has a broad base of mining, but gold is one of them, or actually get into a gold ETF where there's a, a whole 
bunch of gold assets that are in there and regardless of the m of the management of each asset you might you will get direct value from the from gold but to invest in gold simply because you like it or it has some sort of value to you i think it's not a great investment i think yeah. its objective is to retain value provide diversification and manage your risk in a portfolio just quickly before we go to break uh, roy i will be coming to you after the break uh, you mentioned uh, etfs uh, tommy there's a, a question investing in the satrix resi or investing directly in gold via apsa new gold etf question mark well uh, it all comes down to your risk appetite uh my view is always uh, a broader pool which is managed and is low cost is better than a direct holding in an asset that you may not have control of mining and pricing. The unfortunate part about commodities is that the pricing is done offshore. So you can produce it, but the cost of which is uh, the price at which you sell it is not determined by you. Yeah. So that risk is inherent in the direct miner. So alternatively, what you'd be looking for is to have a broader set of assets that you can man that you can manage risk with. Yeah, Roy, on your side, are you bullish on gold, or does that depend? So gold, gold is an interesting asset. If you're talking about physical gold, remember it costs money to hold and it yields nothing. So that's so that's one thing, and and there's security costs around this. You have to keep it in a vault somewhere, and and what you're basically expecting is either you to have it as a store of wealth um, or at some point in time the price should have appreciated and your wealth would have been stored and maybe 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 even increased if you want gold as a liquid asset then now you're talking about as a financial asset in an in the form of an etf that's been dematerialized that's another issue but remember the thing about gold again is the fact that gold is about real interest rates when real interest rates are rising or they're high, the price doesn't move. When when real interest rates fall, then it's more favorable to hold gold again because it doesn't yield. Exactly like Tammy said, depends on your risk tolerance. If all you're looking for is a store of wealth, then maybe it is. If what you're looking for is exposure to mining from a diversified sense, maybe an ETF mm. that gives you exposure to a number of mining companies. Because remember the difference between holding gold and a mining company, that a mining company gives you leveraged exposure. A South African um, gold mining company gives you leverage exposure to the rand and the gold price. So, so there's a lot of dynamics before you come and decide that this has the this has a place in my portfolio or this fulfills the requirements that I have as an as an investor. So it's not a very easy question to answer. But mm. I I hope I hope between Tammy and myself we've given. Yeah. We've given the listener a bit of a framework. Well, if you are investing in uh, the miners, uh, the viewer also asks which two just sticking to you, Roy. <laughs> Again, if you look at Anglos, Anglos gives you exposure to platinum, iron ore, and a couple of other things, diamonds and that. If you look at BHP, you get slightly different exposure as well. You look at Glencore, it includes a little bit of, of a little bit more about um, trading and some of their, their own minerals. If you look at South 32, for instance, it gives you exposure to metals of the future and the like. So again, it's about doing your own research and ensuring that you're getting the exposure that you're looking for. It's not that it's a cheap one or a really good one or there's significant upside. You have to decide, I want to be in iron ore. So if I want iron ore, I want the purest exposure, I want rand denominated iron ore prices, then I'll have Kumba. Um, if I want coal and together is there, 
uh, call with a dividend. Yes, that's the one I want. So, so doing your own research is, is incredibly important and knowing what it is exactly that you're looking for. It's not just a tip that this is a better one or this one will double within two months or not. It's to understand to understand what you're looking to get out of it. Yeah. Uh, tell me, you, you said Sibanye, right? Mm. Um, what's interesting with the both of you is that you, you've uh, picked diversified miners and not pure gold miners. Yeah, so there's two elements to that. The first part is that uh, commodities have inherent risk of pricing being away from production. Mm. So that, that, that element, so you can manage costs, but you can't manage the sales price. I think uh, the second bit is around why one invests. You're trying to grow your capital at an acceptable level of risk. Yeah. So when you look at the risk in having one commodity on your portfolio, when that commodity price tanks, you must bear that burden. Whereas if you've got multiple commodities in the portfolio, then when one goes up, one remains somewhat balanced, one may go down, yeah. you, you, you have a diversified risk management approach. So uh, our, our view is more around risk management, especially okay. when someone is looking to invest. Uh, the advice is always to look to grow your capital at an acceptable level of yeah. risk. And a single stock or a single commodity uh, is a very high level of risk. Ah, all right. Uh, well, uh, going back to single stocks, uh, single stock accounters, um, Blue Label, uh, share price is uh, 52 at a 52-week uh, low, even after restructuring of uh, South Sea a year ago. What is the reason behind the drop in share price? Is it because of uncertainties regarding South Sea or poor future visibility of the business model? Is it worth, uh, worth it at the current price for short-term, uh, Roy, Blue Label, Telecoms? Short-term, short-term is, um, short is always a problem. But if I look at it as a business, um, what they've basically done is they resolved the debt issue at, um, at, at, at they, they resolved their debt issue um, at Celsi, and then they recreated the business model to reduce capital intensity. So if the business model is successful, that means they'll be able to generate a lot of cash flow without incurring a lot of capital investment, which is fantastic. That's the sort of business you want to, you want to invest in. However, they're trying to be an MVNO of MVNOs. Yeah. Um, but they're big, the, 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 the other big guys also are looking into this business model. So I guess it's people trying to take a bet as to the, are they capable of pulling it off? They've done one step. Are they going to get there? They've also had a change in CEO. Um, does the new CEO actually know how to implement this strategy? Does he agree with it? So there's probably a little bit of uncertainty. But if you look at it from the top down, um, there is inherently nothing wrong with the business model. I actually think that that business model is is, is a sound one. Yeah. And with good execution, can generate value for shareholders over time just remember when we talk about shares over the short term which is i don't know a couple of months you haven't given management a chance to do anything it, it takes time to implement a strategy it takes time to generate results so if you're looking at shares look at it medium to longer term give them an opportunity to actually do the work for you yeah um what's your take on uh blue label tummy uh, and also do you look at the business model um as a whole, or do you look at kind of split the South Sea part and then with the other underlying blue label telecoms model? 
I think you look at the competition. So the, their real issue, uh, especially Celsi, is their competition. Who are they going up against? And are they able to compete with you both at a capital level and an execution level? And both Vodacom and MTN can do both. So I think that's the real issue. Can Celsi and thereby Blue Label compete? Can they manage to get the market share required to stay afloat, to run an a great operational business, business, as well as continue to stay out of uh, debt? debt and stay afloat. The downside is telcoms have a rule of three in general countries. There are two who win the market share and the third is the loss leader typically. Yeah. So they, SLC, are the loss leader at this point. So the re reality of it, it's about how do they execute their strategy in spite of the competition. Mm. Um, the great strategy is possible. Great execution is possible. But there are two other players in the field who can take your lunch. So that is the real that is the real question. Can they outcompete their competitors? Mm, all right. Um, I think this is the last question. Um, so it's about Tongot. Can we expect Tongot shares to start trading again? And is there a chance that it will delist? And what will this mean for shareholders? I'm not sure if this is uh, one that uh, you guys are watching at the moment. Uh, Roy, let's come to you. Are, you. are you watching it closely or has it just fallen off your radar? No. The truth is, when, when, a, when a stock or a company goes through what they've gone through, the likelihood is that shareholders end up with nothing. Mm. That generally, that, that's, that's generally the conclusion that you can come up to because there's debt. There's, there's, criminals, there's criminal accusations there. Mm. There's, there's a whole um, employee, employee thing that needs to be resolved. There's industry consideration. You as a shareholder are last in all of those. Everyone mm. else is going to get sorted, and if there's anything left, you get something. So, yeah, I generally tend to look at these situations as if you're caught in it, um, just dust yourself off and move on. Yeah. Um, very little ever comes out of situations such as those for shareholders. Yeah. Um, yeah, should all of this scare shareholders, Tommy? Well, uh, if the decline in share price to uh, where it is today hasn't scared you already. <laughs> then, uh, but uh, in, in reality, the same sort of thing happened with Ascendis Health. When too much leverage and too many internal issues start up impacting the company's performance and share price, yeah. this is what happens. And I think if you are a shareholder in this environment, you may also face other headwinds in that creditors may be given the company. So uh, in, if you are a shareholder, write it off. Uh, as, as, <laughs> as we've just heard, yeah. uh, write it off, dust yourself off and keep moving. I think at this point, you, have not, you are the last person to have claims. Mm. There's many other claims that come before you and your claims to profits and dividends are now yeah. out the window. So I think uh, as, a sh as, a, as an investor, this is why you look at balance sheets, you look at debt levels. It's why those ratios exist mm. to give you an indication of how leveraged a business is and their ability to service that leverage. Yeah, dust yourself off and try again, as Aliyah said. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to your stock fix for today, gents. Uh, Roy, what will yours be? So my, mine is Motus, um, and, mm. and I think it's, it's quite relevant because um, we're seeing we're somewhere near the top of the interest rate cycle. They were heavily geared because they made an acquisition. That acquisition is very cash generative. So I think when you look at the results coming um, towards the end of this year, you'll probably see that they're beginning to pay down a lot of that debt. They're not so reliant on new car sales, but even in new car sales, they've got a significant market share, high returns, solid management team. So I think that's one 
that's one well worth watching. Ah, all right. What are you watching uh, today? Uh, NASPA's process. Uh, they finally cleaned up that mess. So I think we might start seeing real value. Um, and the shareholders will begin to have a real say in how the, how the com company is governed um, and what they're going to do with that uh, large 10 cent stock. Mm. So uh, I think they'll find value, so there'll be solid growth there. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time, gents. Appreciate it. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests, Roy Mutoni from uh, Sunlam Investments and Tamsan Nganeta from Shiloh Capital. That's where I leave things with you, but stay tuned for lots more coming up right here on Business Day TV.